Welcome to Inner Peace and Power, the podcast for busy humans who are seeking to uncover that sense of inner calm and clarity in our fast-paced and ever-distracted world. I'm your host, Dr. Rashmi Shram, and together we'll hear inspiring stories and we'll explore timeless wisdom with practical tips that give us access to deeper connections, more energy, and that sense of fulfillment. I am so grateful to be on this journey with you. Thank you for being here. Hello, hello, dear friends. Welcome back to this episode of Inner Peace and Power. I'm so grateful you're here with me. So today we are going to be talking about one of my absolute favorite subjects in the whole entire universe, and that is meditation and mindfulness. And we're going to do a little overview. I know most of you guys listening, I'm sure, have some practice or some relationship to meditation. And you're going to want to keep listening because I'll share my stories and mostly my stories as a practitioner of meditation and, of course, student first. And then my perspective as a physician and a certified teacher of meditation and mindfulness. So we'll start off with definitions and then we'll talk a little bit about the benefits of meditation and mindfulness. And we'll also then tackle a few of the misconceptions about meditation or some of the most common ones that I tend to hear at least. And then I'm going to hopefully make a pretty compelling case for how you can either deepen your own relationship to meditation or just begin it in a really soft way. Nothing about these is going to be like, you should do this, you should do that. Okay. So as you guys know, I've talked pretty widely about how I was not necessarily in any way, shape, or form, like a calm and or internally peaceful human being as a younger person and certainly not in my 30s. And I accidentally came upon meditation when I was in college. I was volunteering, so I went to college at the University of Virginia in Charlottesville, which was amazing. And I actually went to med school there too. And there... In my freshman year, which we call, of course, our first year, I was volunteering at a psychiatric hospital. For a long time, I thought I was going to go into psychiatry, and I didn't. I went into family medicine. So, and there, there were this amazing, amazing set of physicians and clinicians who were teaching patients meditation. And so, part of like how I got into it was was through that particular volunteering opportunity. And then it just sort of blossomed from there. I really got into a community of very consistent meditators, yogis. It was like this closet thing for me because I was also going to apply to med school. And I thought that it was going to be poo-pooed upon or would made fun of. I mean, this is all interesting, right? This was all something that I had created in my head. And in any case, I really, really, really understood some of the benefits from uh, like a felt sense rather than like an academic sense, because I wasn't really like studying meditation then. So that's how I started. And I think I've shared with you guys that meditation, yoga, uh, these kind of like connection to mind body 
never felt strange to me because I grew up in India with a large family that that practiced all of these things on a fairly regular basis. Since college, as I had an on-again, off-again relationship to meditation, it was like super intermittent. I was a crisis meditator where I would meditate when I was feeling really stressed out and then I would stop once I got better. And it went on and on until about a decade or more ago when I decided I was going to sign up for a teacher training program. And at the time, I didn't recognize this, but I I now know that one of the reasons I signed up to become a meditation teacher so long ago was because I needed the community and I needed the accountability apparently back then because I was so intermittent with it. And part of the deal about signing up to be a teacher back then, for me, I remember this vividly, was I had to kind of sign and agree to the idea that I was going to meditate every single day. And so I was like, where do I sign? Give me the paper. And so that's how that started off for me. And really, the basics of meditation, I'm sure you guys know, but I'll just go over them anyway, just because I like to all of us be on the same plane. So meditation, the way that I think of it and my teachers define it is very, very simple. It is the act of moving from activity into stillness or activity into silence. So it is not creating anything. It is not making anything happen. It is tapping into that stillness that's already always within us, right? So that's why we talk about inner peace and power. And mindfulness, for the most part, is defined as follows by most people um, because it can also become a hashtag, right? And so mindfulness is generally defined as the awareness that arises when we're paying attention to this present moment without judgment and with curiosity. It seems kind of like a simple idea and it's simple, but it's not always easy. Meditation is the fastest way to build up our mindfulness muscle. And meditation is a formal way for us to practice mindfulness. And in lots and lots of upcoming episodes, we'll talk about many different ways that we can practice mindfulness. And meditation is one of the formal ways that we can do so. And as you probably know, there are lots and lots of different and super valid meditation styles as well. And the reason that I have this basic, complete obsession with meditation is because I really, really think it is super underutilized. It is crazy powerful. And if you think about it, it's super cost effective because once you learn it, hey, guess what? It doesn't cost you anything, right? And it's really time effective. And I think that there is definitely going to be a bigger explosion with meditation, with meditators, with people interested in these kinds of practices as a way to uplevel their way of, of whether it's working, being, connecting, however that is. And in fact, there are lots of studies that show us now that somewhere around 20 to maybe 22% of American adults have said that they have tried meditation or are very interested in meditation. So you're in the right place. Okay, so I talked about how I think it's super time efficient, cost efficient, we've defined it. And to me, it's awareness. When I talk about meditation, I'm really talking about awareness, okay? So 
If you think that this world has more stress than we think is helpful, raise your hand. I'm raising my hand right now, right? And if you feel like there's more worry, more tension, more anxiety, and more of these feelings of, of isolation in our world than we need, raise your hand. My hand is raised right now, right? And in, in my observation, there is just so much noise, right? There's just a lot of clutter. There's mind clutter. There's, there's just clutter of information. We have a huge overload of information, of stress. And there's this like super high expectation of productivity and all of those things combined and many more things, of course. If you're listening to this, the vast majority of us are to some degree subject to an excessive amount of chronic daily stress. And chronic daily stress can have all kinds of effects on the mind and the body, on our emotions, and it can erode away at our quality of sleep, at our quality of life, at our quality of the relationships, at the quality of our focus, all of those things. And so meditation to me, and again, these are lots of published studies that we won't necessarily dive so deep into those today, but I want to kind of give you an overhead of those. But really, to me, meditation is the antidote to chronic daily stress, right? This chronic daily inflammatory response that we have in the world right now. And so for the vast majority of you, you already know that meditation has some pretty big benefits. That's why we're talking about it. That's why you're listening about it. And so some of the ones that we have lots and lots of data on is what I'm going to review for you. But what I want you to think about is this. So meditation is almost always a part of every ancient wisdom tradition in all of in all ancient wisdom traditions. And so the kinds that I tend to teach are traceable back to either four or five thousand years ago. And so imagine how powerful these practices must be if they have evolved for this much time, right? So nothing that's useless generally stays with us. So imagine how powerful this is, that it has been handed down from teacher to student, teacher to student for so many millennia. It's incredible when I think about it. And of course, you know, we're like right at the tip of the iceberg for touching on some of the benefits that we now understand. And we've got, you know, several thousand published studies in large blue chip universities, all of that, all of that. And so as a antidote to chronic daily stress, what we know is that people who practice meditation for even just three or four weeks consistently do report a decrease in their perception of stress. In there are improvements in anxiety symptoms, improvements in depressive symptoms, and these are all like clinically relevant. And what we find is, of course, what would go along with that too is people reporting significantly improved emotional balance. And then if you start to look at what happens in the body, in the physical body, We know that immune function tends to improve and we start to see decreased levels of certain hormones. So the cortisol is kind of that 
it's not a terrible, horrible thing, even though we demonize it because we need it for short-term periods. But long-term periods where cortisol is significantly elevated, so that's our inflammatory hormone, can be really detrimental to the mind and the body. And so we see cortisol levels drop and stay low in folks who practice meditation consistently. And then conversely, we see these neurotransmitters that we generally think of as like our feel-good hormones. And we see significant improvements in serotonin, right? That's one of our feel-good hormones, in DHEA, and certainly dopamine. And so there are studies that show that, you guys, this is, this is one of my favorites, <laughs> is there are studies that show us that in three to four weeks of about five days a week kind of meditation, that there is a 60% increase in our endogenous dopamine levels. I mean, that's pretty amazing. And even in that time period, we see increases in about 30% for our own endogenous serotonin production. I mean, it's really, really amazing. We do not have a drug that can help us make that, at least not yet. So I want you to start thinking about some of these things that we already know and understand. And I'll tell you that probably the most common reason that whether it's my private clients or folks who come into my group programs will come to me for is one of kind of these amazing benefits of meditation. And that is improving the quality of our sleep and giving us more rejuvenative sleep and or helping us to actually fall asleep and stay asleep in a in a manner that is so consistent with feeling energized in the morning. And I mean, this is a huge game changer if you think about it, because there is not a single piece of our lives that sleep doesn't touch at all. And so if we're suffering in sleep, we are suffering in all the areas of our lives. Like we can't exercise to the best of our ability. We can't communicate with others very clearly. There's so much that has to do with sleep. And so for sure, that's, I would say that's probably the number one reason that folks come, right? Other than, other than obviously feeling stressed and anxious, which is also connected to sleep as well, right? And in, in particular, yoga nidra or NSDR, as some people call it, it can very quickly and very effectively help people catch their most rejuvenative rest, right? And so there's this also sense of improved focus and concentration. Maybe it has to do with sleep, maybe it doesn't. But we have studies that show us that people who practice meditation regularly definitely, definitely notice an improvement in their focus. And there's studies like this as well, like I said, right? So pretty incredible stuff. And I'm going to have episodes with folks who are going to tell you their stories with meditation and mindfulness. They're going to tell you all of their, like, challenges that they've overcome because that's the whole crux of life, right? It's not there's some beautiful, constant, linear improvement. I mean, that's, yeah, sure, maybe in on a graph, but in real life, we're really looking at these like quantum leaps and then maybe plateau, maybe come back down and 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 maybe another exponential move. But ultimately, if you take like a 10,000 foot view, there is consistent improvement if someone commits to a uh, a mindfulness practice, however that shows up for them. And so that's some of the benefits. And again, like I said, we're going to talk about very specific ones in different episodes as well. 
So what are some of the most common misconceptions that I tend to hear as a teacher? So I would say like the number one common misconception is that we always have to feel like blissed out or calm, like this sense of always feeling peaceful and thinking that if we have a lot of thoughts that somehow we don't know how to meditate or we didn't do it right or I just can't even meditate. Like that's one of the most common things that I hear. And so if you fall in that category, I'm telling you right now that if you choose to sit down, close your eyes, notice your breath, and you you say you're going to do it for two minutes and you happen to have 500 thoughts in those two minutes, but you sat there and you really moved your attention back into the breath for two minutes, guess what? You meditated. That's how cool this is, is, is because remember what meditation is. It's a practice of non-judgment. And so there's no way that we can say we had a great meditation or bad meditation. If you say you're going to meditate for a certain period of time and you put your attention on the thing that you said you were going to do, then guess what? You actually meditated. And that's all that counts. All of those benefits that we talked about before, you still get all those benefits, whether you were muddling through a million different thoughts or you felt super focused and super calm. And so that's the most important misconception that I want us to get over is that you can have thoughts, you can feel restless, all of those are valid. In fact, really, my teacher has taught me that there are four very valid experiences during meditation. You guys may have heard this before, but I'm going to tell you again. So one of the most common things is that we might be following our breath or following guidance or following a mantra, something like that, right? That is a valid experience during meditation, okay? So another valid experience during meditation is feeling super restless and noticing a million thoughts come into your head all at the same time. That is a valid experience during meditation. Why? Because you now have awareness of your thoughts. Then you start to become aware that you are not your thoughts. So having a ton of thoughts and noticing that you have a ton of thoughts, my friend, is an extremely valid experience during meditation, okay? So what else can happen during meditation? You can fall asleep. Guess what? If you are exhausted, your body is going to take the rest, okay? And when your body needs the rest, that's a valid experience during meditation. You might fall asleep, you might stay asleep, you might wake up halfway, it doesn't really matter. And so that's a valid experience. So the fourth very valid experience during meditation is being in that blissful, super calm state, right? There are all kinds of different names for it. We might call it the gap, so the gap between thoughts, Turiya, which is glimpsing the soul, all of those things that feel very blissful, like you kind of dipped yourself inside a pool of bliss and you come back out of your meditation, it feels really blissful. So we tend to equate all of meditation into just this one valid experience. But remember, we have all these other totally valid experiences during meditation as well. So don't forget. And sometimes the mind can play tricks on us. Sometimes the mind can say, no, 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 you had a terrible meditation because you didn't feel blissed out and you didn't feel calm and you had a lot of thoughts. Guess what? That's not actually true. What's true is if you committed to a practice, even if it's for two minutes or one minute and you did it, you are a really amazing meditator. So congratulations. So that's, I'd say, the most common misconception. Okay. One that comes in really closely second in all of my years teaching, and it's been many, many years that I've been teaching, 
is that people will tell me that they don't have time, right? Because honestly, none of us have time. We have crazy busy lives if we think about it, because most of the time we're never going to get through all the things that we have to do. And most of the time, people are just going to need us or, or our tasks or whatever. Like we're just going to be super busy all of the time. And to me, that actually is, hey, that's a cool experience to have in life is to like notice that you don't have time to meditate and then making the time to meditate, like creating the time to meditate. Because I always agree with people when they say I don't have time to meditate. You are 100% right. None of us have the time, right? It's like taking, it's like picking up a bunch of sand from the beach and trying to take it back with like our hands and trying to see how much of it we can keep for ourselves by the time we walk two miles or something, well, it's not ours. So the the sand is going to slip away and so is time. So I would say this, in all of my years practicing, teaching, and being in community with so many people who meditate, it's that the one thing that there is a huge realization of, and this is an experiential thing, like I can tell you about it all day long, but you got to experience it is I totally get my time back that I meditate, right? So if I say I'm going to meditate for 30 minutes, what I will notice over time is that day, I probably got 30 minutes or maybe 60 minutes back in the following ways. I probably was able to do more focused work, get through more tasks than I thought, spend less time ruminating because if we sit in our thoughts and simmer in our thoughts, I mean, Most of the time we are simmering in the past or we're predicting the future. And most of the time our thoughts aren't focused on the present moment. So if we can have even tiny glimmers or shimmers of present moment awareness, which is mindfulness, then we actually have gotten so much time back for ourselves. So I would say that if it feels like you don't have time, you're not alone. And also I will tell you that you will get that time back in so many different ways. Like the fruitfulness of it will be really, really, really beautiful for you. So one of the most super powered ways to either start a meditation practice, deepen your meditation practice, and just stay consistent with it. Because what we know is when there is a meditation practice that's consistent, the results will blow your mind. There are significant changes in all of the ways that we talked about in the immune function, in the ways that we deal with life and in the ways that we can actually move through life with skill rather than feeling really anxious or worried or or hanging on for dear life, if you will, right? And the way that we can move through with more focus and ultimately with more tapping into your own inner peace and power. And so the superpower really is community. And I alluded to this when I first kind of unknowingly signed up for a community to become a meditation teacher because this was like before social media. This was before I think I was like on any consistent basis on the internet. <laughs> and and I needed, I needed that kind of community. And that's really what I see as well. And there are studies that show us that people thrive. That's why I have the community that I have. I have a membership and inside of it, we go through real life. We're not just sitting there like talking about how life is rainbows and unicorns because that's not real life. Real life has challenges. Real life is messy. And real life can also be at the same time, this glorious, beautiful way for us to, for us to really enjoy our lives and to find more peace, to find more joy in our lives, right? And so 
I would encourage you, if you are new, to definitely try to practice something consistently, even if it's for two to three minutes. And if you're already a seasoned yogi meditator, that's amazing. And if you're not in community, get in community, because those are really the most transformative things that we can do. And what we're going to do here in this podcast is we're already in community, right? And so definitely, as always, I always encourage you to give me feedback, to tell me your stories of meditation or mindfulness, and actually share if you've had challenges that you've overcome or are still facing with meditation, because all of those really help us create this really rich, beautiful connection for ourselves and with others. And so this is where I'm going to leave you guys is with this idea of meditation and mindfulness are really powerful tools. They are underutilized. They are incredibly, incredibly powerful. They are cost-effective and time-effective. Okay, my loves? So I will see you on the next episode of Inner Peace and Power. Sending you much love. Thank you for listening to Inner Peace and Power and for being an invaluable part of our community. If today's episode resonates with you, please subscribe so you won't miss any of the weekly episodes or the bonus meditations. And please share with friends, family, or anyone you think may benefit. Your support means the world, and I am so grateful. Before we part, a gentle reminder, while I am a physician, I am not your physician. Everything we discuss on Inner Peace and Power is for informational and educational purposes only. It's never intended to be medical advice. So always consult with your own healthcare provider for any medical concerns. Until next time, remember, you're never alone, and it's never too late to tap into that inner power. So keep nurturing that beautiful connection, dear friend, and I will see you soon.